0: Hi everyone, I'm Kate, and we're just going to read the Bible together now. We're going to read from uh, the book of Colossians, chapter 3, starting at verse 12, and then we're going to jump forward a little bit to verse 23. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you In all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we'll just jump forward to verse 23. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism.
1: everyone, uh, great to be with you this morning as we try to make sense of work and rest. And that means making sense of the different experiences we have of work and rest. Uh, before coming here, I was a teacher, um, and one of the things I loved about being a teacher was, you might not be surprised, the last day of school where you, you, know, you put on a Christmas movie and, and you do some colouring in and you go... Oh. Well done, you can, you can give yourself some fairy claps as well. Sometimes I did that. Um, but that wasn't actually why I did it. That wasn't, that wasn't my favorite thing. Uh, my favorite thing about my work was when I had a great idea for a lesson. Uh, one term in, in science, year four, we're uh, learning about forces and I thought, oh, okay, we can, why don't we make mini golf courses? Um, You know, we can build a ramp and a tunnel and an obstacle, and and we can test them, you know, measure the speed and direction of the golf ball, and then we'll we'll use our results to make better golf courses. Um, You know, we can change the angle and the material. It it really was science and technology um, and fun as well. Um, It was going to be a great term. And I was really excited. I I think the kids were excited too. Uh, But maybe they were a little too excited, uh, because what they made and what they learned was was not what I had hoped for. Um, the, the trouble began when I, when I suggested that each course have a theme, um, and they loved that idea. So one group made a space course, and, and another made a, a bedroom. Um, there was a football pitch and, and a Marvel superhero course. Um, but my amazing science lesson became a glorified art project. Um, LAUGHTER one group, they, they wanted to make a beach course, and so they brought in glue and sand and just got it all over the classroom. One, one of the courses broke right as we were about to play it at the end. Um, and one group, they were so busy decorating that they, they forgot to actually put any obstacles in their mini golf course. Um, I, I did get a hole in one on that one, so thank you, thank you. Um, but in the end, I'd had this great idea, and I felt crushed. I felt a bit useless, stuck in the rough. Um, I had this great expectation and I I couldn't achieve it. And our work and rest is often a little bit like this. So promising and then it fails to deliver. Maybe for you, other words come to mind. Maybe exciting or exhilarating, but maybe just exhausting or frustrating or relentless or boring or soul-crushing. Why is work like this? What is the purpose of work? And how does Jesus help us make sense of work? In a world that that chases after success and pleasure or or maybe just the right balance, Jesus offers us restful work. Sounds strange. Sounds almost too good to be true. But it's exactly what we need. And it's a gift that God freely gives us. So my hope for you today is that you can experience this gift in work and rest. But first, let's look at what work is and what the world says that work is for. So I wanna make it really clear up front that work is not just a paid job. It's so much broader than that. Here's our definition. Work is the way we exercise our energy and our responsibility to serve others and reflect and point people to the God who gloriously works. So think about maybe some of the responsibilities that you have. Maybe it's to clean your room and wash the dishes. Maybe to satisfy customers at work, to study for exams, to make dinner for your family or care for a loved one, and even for your kids when they're vomiting in the middle of the night. That's work. And some of you are doing the hardest job of all, being a stay-at-home mum. We use energy to do these things. Not just physical energy, but mental and emotional energy as well. It's all work. Sending emails and paying bills and changing nappies. When you're caring for a friend who has been unwell for months and months, that's work. And that can be a huge emotional load. All these responsibilities, big and small, they add up and we spend a lot of our time and energy Fulfilling them works a big part of our life, and so what is it all for? A lot of people have a diminished view of work. Uh, I reckon a lot of us in Australia would say we're working for the weekend. We go in, make some money, we do our work, and then our evenings or weekends or holidays—that's that's when we really live. And time off is great. I was on holidays last week. Sport and the beach and good food and and British crime dramas. Man, what, what great gifts. But what a low view of work. The majority of our time on earth just a means to an end. That's not right. The Bible gives us a more glorious view of work a view that embraces the intrinsic value of work. Work is not just enabling our lifestyle. It's not an inescapable necessity. Work is good. And we know it's good because God works. He creates everything. He creates a good world to display his glory and share his goodness. And when he, when he creates Adam and Eve, he doesn't give them a beautiful palace with a personal chef so they can laze by the pool all day. He creates them to work as well. And that's not because God is tired of working and and, and He needs help, He needs servants to do His whim. No, He he wants humans to partner with Him and to bear His image by imitating His work. He asks us to rule and He gives us responsibility. Responsibility. Responsibility to steward, look after his creation, and to serve one another. And in doing that, humans display God's glory, and they share his goodness. And we see glimpses of that throughout the Old Testament. We see Adam working and watching over the garden, naming the animals. We see children being born, families growing and filling the earth. We see the Israelites growing food for themselves and for their neighbours in need. We see them making beautiful music and jewellery, building a temple for God. And we see kings like Solomon who have great wisdom and great responsibility, and, and they use that. They use their mental energy for the good of the people, at least for a little while. And we still see glimpses now of good stewardship and service to others, recycling and composting, cleaning and doing the washing up, caring for young and old and people in need, even making mini-golf courses for others to enjoy. Proper mini-golf courses. Um, I want you to think about a time when you've experienced the joy of making something good. I can't do that, but probably Isaac can. Think about something good, a cake, a shelf... A story, a song, a paper plane, something that brings joy to others. Something that's just fun or beautiful or useful. Think about a time when you've done that. Isn't it satisfying? There's something about it. It's satisfying because we are made in the image of God. And we were created by him to work, to steward his world and serve one another we don't just work for the weekend because we were made to work and work has value. But that value is not always easy to see. Humans no longer live in the Garden of Eden. We live in a world that is damaged by our rebellion against God. It says in Genesis 3 that work is cursed because we rejected God and we wanted to do it our way. We still do that. The Bible calls this sin. And now childbirth and farming, manual labour, it's hard and toilsome. And then it's over. We return to the dust. We were made to rule over creation, but now creation rules over us. And we talked about one solution, to endure our work and, and live for the weekend. But that's too low. Work is more than that. The other solution the world gives is is really the opposite extreme, too high a view of work, and that's to make work our everything, the source of our identity and success and approval. We think if we just work hard enough, if we push through the toil, then we can still get everything we need. We think we can give ourselves and our families financial security and a good life, and if we just find the right work to do, then we can find satisfaction in the things we achieve. And, and we might just get a little bit of respect and recognition from the people around us. If we just work hard enough. There's a sprinkle of truth in all those things. Work is made to be satisfying. And we do work to provide for ourselves and for others. The Bible tells us to work. But the future is ultimately out of our control. We can't always push through the toil and escape. In 2009, the Black Saturday bushfires in Victoria, they killed 173 people and those who escaped probably counted themselves lucky in some way, but they lost their homes. They were left with lasting trauma and no amount of hard work can prevent something like that from happening. When hardships come out of the blue, um, for us or for people around us, it really rocks us, rocks us to the core. It challenges our worldview, and it shows us that work cannot give the lasting security that we long for, no matter how much we wish that was true. We look towards work for other things as well, and especially our identity. We define ourselves by what we do and achieve. Lauren Jackson first played basketball for Australia when she was 16. She played in four Olympic games and the women's NBA, an all-time great. But a knee injury forced her to retire at 34. And And this is what she said. She said, To say goodbye to my love, what was my life, my identity, this hurts. Basketball wasn't just her work. It was her life and her identity. But her success couldn't last forever. We all, to some extent, define ourselves by what we do, not just our paid work. If you're a parent, it's so easy to find your worth in the achievements or the character of your kids. But what happens when your work is criticised, when you don't do a great job? When your colleague gets the award or the promotion, how do you respond? What about when you make a joke in a sermon and no one laughs? Now, thankfully, that's, that's never happened to me, but, um, but, but Mike, Mike said he finds it really tough sometimes. <laughs> um, our success is fleeting and fragile. And so if we define ourselves by our work, then we will not be satisfied. And then when we die and we appear before Jesus in judgment, if we point to our work and say, look at these good things I did, he will not be satisfied either. Our works cannot save us from death and judgment. And that's why the solution can't just be a more fulfilling career, or even a better work-life balance. Let's look back at our definition. We have responsibility. And we have energy, maybe once we've had a coffee or two, um, but to always work to serve others, always reflect God's goodness and point to him in all we do, we will never achieve that on our own. And so we must come to Jesus. Colossians 1.15 He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, the ruler, over all creation. See the work that he does. He came not to be served, but to serve. His work made him tired and dusty, mocked, beaten and killed. And yet he does all this work with patience and humility and joy. His death and resurrection is the greatest work in history. It's the greatest service to others, the greatest revelation of God's glory. And that work of Jesus is what we must trust in. The work of Jesus is what we must rest in. The work of Jesus is what we must imitate. He invites us, come, belong to me, work for me. And this transforms the way we work so that we can work with purpose and joy And with a peace and rest that surpasses anything you'll find in a self-help blog. Because it comes from Jesus himself. And so working for Jesus, our identity is unchanging. Colossians 3.12 says, We are God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. God doesn't look at us and see our achievements, how much we got done today, because we are clothed in Jesus' righteousness. When you put in a big effort and your exam marks are just still not good enough. You are holy and dearly loved. And if you're top of the class, well, you are holy and dearly loved. But that will never change. We are freed from this roller coaster of an identity that is dependent on success. Madonna is the best-selling female singer of all time. Her nickname, according to Wikipedia, is the Queen of Pop. But do you want to know how she feels about her work, and who she is? She says, My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it, and and I discover myself as a human being. But then, I feel that I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. That's a pretty extreme example, I think. But Jesus offers us rest in an identity that is grounded in him. Because of this same unchanging truth that we belong to Jesus and work for him, then our security is eternal. We still work, of course, and we receive the fruit of our work. But we know that God is at work in every situation, that he is sovereign over our work And he gives us what we need. We have him to thank for every provision. And what he promises is so much greater than anything we could earn. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. The eternal life that God promises to those who trust in Jesus is not wages that we earn from our work. It's not dependent on our performance. It's an inheritance. It's a gift. And it's graciously given to God's children because of who we are in Jesus. And so because of God's grace toward us, working for Jesus brings joy and thankfulness. In thankfulness, we work for him and we imitate him. God created humans to display his glory and share his goodness. Without Jesus, we cannot do that. But if we are in Jesus and his spirit is at work in us, which he promises, then we display God's glory. We are his image bearers when we put on compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. When we forgive just as the Lord has forgiven us when we work from the heart, working for the Lord and not for the praise of other people. And God doesn't care about what we achieve from, by our work. He cares about our character. God cares not about our achievements, but our character. What does that look like for you? To put on compassion and kindness as we drive to work or catch the train? Maybe to put on patience when we've been on hold with Centrelink for an hour, and the music is playing over and over. To put on gentleness as we help our kids with their homework. To put on humility as we receive praise or give a colleague feedback. Paul tells us in verse 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look to his example. Pray and ask for his help and give thanks for his provision. This kind of work that Jesus calls us to, it shapes our whole life, not just our nine-to-five, and that includes our rest as well. Working for Jesus brings true rest. We rest in him. One day a week, he calls us. We are free to down our tools, to ignore our to-do lists and emails that never end. Because our work is no longer about us. It's about him. It's an act of trust in Jesus and not yourself. An act of dependence on God who gives us everything. We rest because we are free from the compulsion to achieve identity and security. That can be really hard, can't it? We are full of pride. We love to feel useful and important and secure But that's exactly why we need to look away from ourselves and look to Jesus and remember that we are not infinite. We are not sovereign. We are weak and we run out of energy. We need God to provide. And we express that need in our rest. We also rest with thankfulness. And part of that means we we rest by enjoying His world and thanking Him for it. So, Consider what encourages you to overflow in thankfulness to him. That might mean you go surfing or bird watching or you play the piano. It certainly means reading his word and praying and meditating on who God is and what he has done in your life. As you rest, spend time thanking him for everything that he gives you, and most of all for his son Jesus. There's a lot in this passage about imitating the character of Jesus. And sometimes it's obvious what that looks like. But sometimes we actually need to think through those tricky situations. For example, should you expect to do well in your work? On the whole, if we work hard, putting on Jesus' character, then yes. But this world has toil and injustice and we are sinners saved by grace. And so it won't always go well. When it does go well, then in humility, praise God. When it doesn't go well, in humility, ask God to show you how to move forward. But know that He sees you as His child, holy and dearly loved. What about when you feel like just a little cog in the machine and you can't see the value? of your work, what are they making? Who knows? No, I do know, it's the car. That's Henry Ford, he introduced that production line. Anyway, labor has become divided up, and so we are often so disconnected from the final product of our work. Sometimes I feel like that uh, when I'm cleaning up after dinner and there's, there's grains of rice smooshed into the carpet, and I'm trying to pick them up one at a time. You know, what is the point? The, the world might not value that, but Jesus does. He cares about your attitude as you work. And the work He has given us is not always grand, not by the world's standards. But there is eternal value in loving and serving the people around you, because you are working for Jesus. What if you feel like your work is just not pointing people to God? That can be disheartening when we don't see that fruit. Maybe you need to be on the lookout for work where you have more opportunity to do that. Um, Perhaps that even looks like going into full time ministry. But it could also be that in your work, God is trying to grow your character. God is growing you, He's pointing you towards Him. He's teaching you and preparing you for work in the future. And there might be so much going on that you do not see. So we can pray for him to show us what he is doing. Let's finish by going back and comparing what the world offers and what Jesus offers when it comes to our work. The world's idea of work and rest is to chase after security and identity and pleasure. And they are good things. But that's not what we worship. We need to go to the source of those things. The one who creates and gives true security, lasting identity, lasting joy. Jesus says, come to me, work for me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.